Welcome to On The Ledge, episode 52. I'm Jane Perrault, lover of many a houseplant and killer of a fair few too. Yes, let's get it out there and be honest, we all kill houseplants. And that's okay. This week we're returning to the subject of buying houseplants. I was recently a guest on You and Yours, the BBC Radio 4 consumer show, doing a very brief interview about problems with online plant delivery. I'll post a link to the interview in my show notes if you want to have a listen. But it got me thinking that I got very little chance to say a lot of the things I wanted to say about this topic. So I thought we'd devote some of this episode to talking about mail order houseplants, where to get them, how to get them and what to do when things go wrong. And also look at houseplant swaps and the etiquette of that. And we'll also be hearing from Paul Holt, Creative Director of North One and West Six Garden Centres, who has his own tips for buying houseplants in person and also an insight into how the big Dutch nurseries work when it comes to nurturing young plants for the British and European markets. But before we go any further, I just wanted to tell you about a couple of other podcasts that I've been enjoying. One of them is called Verdant North, and this is a US-based gardening podcast by a group of folks from Minnesota. Can I call them Minnesotans? Is that a thing? And they love chatting about growing everything. And I had a great chat with them in a couple of recent episodes. And we had a great laugh talking about houseplants and all sorts of other issues, including my perennial vegetables and my green roof and lots of other things that I might not generally talk about here on On The Ledge. So this is a podcast that's definitely worth a listen if you like your gardening fun. You can check out my interview and the other episodes of the podcast at verdantnorth.net. That's verdant as in green and verdant. And next up, this podcast has nothing to do with gardening, but it certainly helped me over the last few weeks. It's called Sharp and I hesitate to tell you that it's a productivity podcast because, quite frankly, the phrase productivity podcast makes me want to hurl. But it's actually a really useful podcast for anyone who likes to get things done and needs to get themselves organised to avoid extra stress and frustration. The host, Steve, is a great listen. It's a really professionally produced podcast and I do recommend it if, like me, you're a person who is time short but task heavy. You'll find Sharp Podcast on Apple Podcasts and all the usual podcatchers or find out more at sharppodcast.com. That's sharppodcast.com. It's a good job I've got my pop filter on my mic with all those peas flying about. How many times have I vowed that I've bought my last houseplant and I'm just not going to buy any more? Well, it's many times. I'll I'll let you into that secret. And I think that many of you may feel the same. The trouble is with the old interwebs that it's so easy just to get on your phone or your iPad or your laptop and type something in and come up with a cornucopia of delights and realise that you might be able to purchase one of these items with just a few clicks. Whether it's a beautiful picture or a cheap price or both, you're quickly lured in to making a purchase. 
but it really is worth thinking carefully before you order online and following a few simple rules to make sure that you don't come a cropper and waste your money. So now I want to bring you Perone's rules of plant ordering online. I hope these will help you to make sure that your purchases are all happy ones. too good to be true it probably is amazing deals do come up online but normally you do get what you pay for so if you see that philodendron pink princess for five bucks or some incredibly large variegated monster deliciosa for a few quid then do think before you jump because rare plants don't come cheap unfortunately there is the law of supply and demand and if you're seeing an incredibly good deal then be extra suspicious and check everything out very carefully before you click buy. Rule number two. What you see isn't always what you get. You may be wowed by the pictures on the webpage you're looking at and thinking that you're going to end up with some incredibly impressive houseplant. But you need to ask yourself, are the pictures I'm seeing actually the size of plant that I'm going to be getting in the post? Because sometimes you'll find that plant sellers will put up pictures of well let's just say the eventual size of a plant rather than the actual plant you're being supplied with so check the information very carefully is the plant seller telling you that the picture you're seeing is the actual plant you're going to get a plant of the same size or is just just a kind of an artist's impression of what your plant will look like in a few years try and steer away from sellers who don't give you this information because it probably means that they're trying to hoodwink you and not give you an accurate picture of what you're actually going to be getting. Look for things like pot size, plant height, if it's a cutting you're buying is the cutting going to be rooted or unrooted? Is the plant going to be sent bare root or still in the pot? All of these factors will influence what the plant should be selling for and how much you should be paying. And if it's not clear to you from the webpage, do ask the seller. If they're a good seller, they should have excellent communications and should be able to tell you exactly what the deal is about the plant picture you're looking at. Rule number three, check the courier. Many online plant delivery services fall down not because of anything they've done, but because of a not very good courier or delivery service. So, are you clear when you buy a plant who's actually going to be delivering it to your door? Check out with the company which courier service, postal service, delivery service they use and check that company out. Is it one with a great reputation online or is it one with a reputation of flinging parcels all over the shop, not delivering on time and being generally unreliable? Because this can make the difference between a smooth plant purchase and a hellish one. You'll probably pay more to get a delivery at a particular day or time but this may be worth it if you're the kind of person that's not always at home and if you're able to specify somewhere to leave the plant if you don't happen to be in to take delivery, that's also a big plus. And while we're on the subject of deliveries, do check whether the price for the delivery goes up for each individual plant that you buy or whether it's a flat rate because that can add to your costs a great deal. Particularly if you're buying from eBay, I'd recommend messaging the seller if you're buying multiple plants and checking on that delivery cost before hitting the pay button. Rule 
Number four. Buying plants from overseas requires extra care. I know, I know, it's very tempting to see that beautiful plant that you've been lusting after for months available in another country. But take pause before you purchase plants from outside your own nation. The reason is plants that come across international borders take longer to arrive, not least because they have to undergo customs checks. And there's also the not so small issue of things like phytosanitary certificates and other pieces of bureaucracy that you'll have to satisfy to convince the authorities that you're not bringing in any pests or diseases with your plant. If you're buying plants from overseas, make sure it's a company that's used to dealing with customers from other countries as they'll be set up for all the processes that need to take place. Rule number five. Reward great service with a five-star review. And finally, if you find a company who does a great job at delivering houseplants when they say they will and deliver what they say they're going to deliver, then it's worth shouting about. Give them a good review, tell others about them on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and generally give them the thumbs up because these companies work really hard to build their reputations and if they've done a good job, let them know and let other customers know too. Well, that's just about all I've got to say about the issue of mail order houseplants. If you've got some top tips you'd like to add, then do let me know through all of the usual channels. And in the meantime, I'm updating my US and UK houseplant buying guides right now. So if you know of a physical shop, a garden centre, a mail order service, or some other way of getting hold of excellent houseplants in either Great Britain or the United States, then please do drop me a line to ontheledgepodcast at gmail.com so I can add it to the list. And if you want to take a look at those buying guides, just visit janeperone.com and I'll link to them in my show notes. a bit put off buying plants online by the high delivery costs and the overall expense, then swapping plants online with fellow growers is a great way to expand your collection without diminishing your bank account. But there can be some pitfalls. So I just wanted to have a little chat with you about how to go about houseplant swaps like this. The first thing to say is that you just have to accept from the get-go that sometimes a swap won't work. Somebody's got some plant that you really desire. Let's say it's a string of pearls and all you've got to swap is some plain green tradescantia or a spider plant. Sometimes you just have to accept that the person that you want to swap with doesn't want what you've got. It doesn't always marry up your desires and the desires of the person that you want to do a deal with sometimes it just doesn't work out so you just have to accept that and that's perfectly okay the other swapper is completely within their rights to say no thanks that doesn't work for me make sure that you keep communications really quick and clear if you respond quickly and explain everything very clearly to the other person you'll find that things will go a lot more smoothly. So let them know as soon as you can when you're dispatching the item, how you're going to send it, whether you're using first class post or second class post or whatever, and pack things really well to give the person confidence that they're going to get their plant in good condition. 
and say thanks. It's lovely for the person on the other end of the deal to hear when their plant has arrived and also to hear how it's getting on. Just a couple of lines in a message or email is, is really welcome. If a deal does go right, then do try to resolve it with the other person. Keep things polite and calm. Don't go flying off the handle at the first problem because things can go wrong with postal services and in people's lives too. But if your plant just doesn't turn up, it's one of those things that you may have to chalk down to experience. There's no customer service department here to resort to. If you got the swap as part of a Facebook group or other kind of houseplant website, it might be worth contacting the admin of that group and just explaining what's happened. Personally, I'm not a fan of those kind of public shaming posts complaining about things because, well, it just doesn't seem like the right way of dealing with it to me. So I would have a word with the organiser, share your concerns, and it may be that there's an evidence building up that person should be removed from the group, but leave that up to the admin to deal with. Naming and shaming. It's just not nice web etiquette as far as I'm concerned, but you may have a different view on that. And if you're a member of the Houseplant Fans of On The Ledge Facebook group, I'm going to be starting a chat on there to share your experiences, good and bad, of houseplant swaps and buying online. So please do add your thoughts to that thread. I'd love to know the best things you've bought, the failures, the successes and the unexpected bonuses of making new friends along the way. Oh, sounds like a call's coming into the On The Ledge Q&A hotline. Hello, On The Ledge, this is Jane Perrone. How can I help you? Do you notice how I put on my telephone voice there? Well, I have to say we don't actually have an on-the-ledge telephone hotline. Uh, if enough of you decided that you think that would be a good idea, then it's certainly something I'd look into getting. But that is actually the sound that my telephone in the office here makes. So if it ever goes off when I'm recording, then boy, is it loud. Anyway, question of the week this week comes from Audrey and she's got a plant that she got from a friend and she says she just can't seem to make it happy and she wants to know why the leaves keep browning. She says, she says it's near a window that gets indirect light. So the picture that Audrey sent shows the goosefoot plant aka Syngonium. Now this one's a close relative of our friends the philodendrons so when you're thinking about how to look after this plant just think about what philodendrons like which as most of us know, is moist air, lots of humidity in other words, and not too much direct light and plenty of warmth. Now, Audrey's got some kind of variegated form of Syngonium. There's a lot of cream on the leaf as well as green, which means that this plant does need a reasonable amount of light. The plain green ones can really go into much deeper shade. If you've been listening to On The Ledge long enough, you'll know that there are browning leaves and browning leaves. What I mean by that is that this can have a number of different causes and it's quite hard to know without seeing a lot of close-ups of the plant and its leaves or ideally seeing it in person what's responsible but it generally if the leaves have got brown tips or edges then it's usually dry air that's to blame but sometimes a physical damage can cause brown patches on leaves too so brushing past the plants repeatedly or if you're one of those people who likes a bit of a stroke, that can sometimes cause damage too. 
If the brownness is really soft and possibly even a bit mouldy, then that's a sign that there's been a bit of disease attack because the plant has been overwatered. But in this case, I suspect strongly that dry air is to blame. I'm not sure why your friend's given you this plant, Audrey, but it may be that they found it difficult to grow and struggle with it. And so they thought they'd hand it off to somebody else. One thing you could try, and this is a bit of a short term solution, but if the plant needs a bit of TLC, you could try this. Get a really large clear plastic bag. Uh, you might be able to get hold of one if you have one of those oven cleaning kits that comes with a big Ziploc bag to put the bits and pieces in that might work and put the plant inside there and seal it up and leave it for a few days. This will just enable it to get a bit of TLC from some really warm air and then gradually reintroduce the standard room air by opening the bag up for increasingly large periods over the course of the next few days. This can sometimes bring a plant back from the edge. Don't leave the bag on long term because, well, A, it looks rather ridiculous and B, well, there isn't a bee. It just looks ridiculous. This is the kind of plant that would benefit from terrarium conditions, but unfortunately, it's usually way too large for the average terrarium, unless you've got a large fish tank or similar, in which case, away you go. That said, the idea of a syngonium in a terrarium is not an entirely silly idea, despite the difficulty of saying syngonium in a terrarium. I saw some of these on sale recently at a very reputable plant place in the most tiny of pots. It was probably only three centimetres across. And although the plant was really tiny, it was just it made me think this plant would be very, very hard to maintain at that size because the compost dries out so quickly on pots of that size. Not so bad if it's cacti or succulents, but if it's this kind of plant that needs pretty regular moisture over the growing season, then it's really going to struggle at that size. So I'd recommend if you do buy a plant like this in a really teeny pot, you either need to put it into a terrarium where it will be happy, or you could do the double pot system and this would just mean sinking that small pot into a much larger pot of growing medium. That way the root ball won't get swamped by a load of compost but at the same time it will have lots of humidity around the plant and when you've got a tiny pot like that do keep a close eye on it because it will need potting on fairly soon. Well, thanks for your question, Audrey. And if you've got a question for On The Ledge, drop me a line at ontheledgepodcast at gmail.com. And just in case you're thinking you are going a bit nuts and are hearing a cheeping sound in the background while I was doing the Q&A, it's not you, it's me. I have a baby wren outside the podcast office today that is cheeping so loudly that all my efforts to drown out the sound with soundproofing and various other tactics are not working. So yes, blame the baby wren. But who could really blame a baby wren? Because it is the cutest and tiniest of baby birds. So there you go. There's a, a mental image for you. If I could get a picture of it, I would. But it likes to hide around the edges of the shrubbery and wait for its mum to bring it food. So I don't think I'm going to be able to get a snapshot. But that's what the cheeping in the background is today. How very sweet. And 
just a reminder that if you are in the Birmingham area, that's Birmingham in the UK, not Birmingham in Alabama, I'm going to be at Gardener's World Live on Thursday the 14th of June, giving talks on the Blooming Interiors stage. I'm hoping that my new On The Ledge podcast t-shirt will be ready to, for me to wear by then. So do look out for me if you're at the show. It's black and it's got the On The Ledge logo on the front. I can't wait to try it out. For more details on that and my other appearances on the show, you know the drill. Just head to janeperone.com to take a look at my show notes for full details. And also I'll be tweeting about various things in the coming days and weeks. And now let's go to our chat with Paul Holt, Creative Director of North One and West Six Garden Centres. He has got some top tips about the other side of plant buying. That's going to the garden centre or the boutique plant shop and choosing plants in person there, which does have some big advantages, which Paul will explain. So if you walk into a garden centre and you go into the houseplant section, hopefully you've got all the plants and all the pots and containers together so that then you can start your mix and match um, to match your plants and then your, your interior decor. Um, what you need to do is just just look at the, the, the houseplant area as a whole and just see how inspired you feel about how they've laid out the area and how they've displayed their pots and have they actually given you any points of inspiration within in their plant displays. So rather than the plants just being lined up in rows, are they actually giving you signals to this is a great plant combination? Look at this plant in this pot. Yeah, because oftentimes that's the thing. It, you know, our brains need a bit of a kickstart. And sometimes unless you're a very visual person, it's hard to to know which pot would be right. Uh, I guess garden centres, some are learning their lesson on this. Others uh, are sort of lagging behind in terms of uh, matching up these things. You know, I've walked into garden centres where you have to kind of walk about two minutes to get from the houseplants to the pots, um, which is not great. And I end up kind of like with a big trolley, like moving things around with about 10 plants on the floor and 10 pots. And I don't make myself very popular with the staff. But you see, it's the only way you can really figure out what, what works, isn't it? People do like to experiment, as you say. And if you come into North One at the end of a weekend, you'll see the mess that they make. There is pots and there is plants absolutely everywhere. And everywhere you look, you see where people have tried different plants and different combinations just to see how it looks. Will it look good in this? Will it look good in that pink pot? And it's interesting because you can see the, the creative process going on within the customer's minds by what you see sort of lying around the shop floor. So it's very interesting um, to see that. But it, I think it's important to, to, to inspire our customers because otherwise they just see a lot of plants and where do they begin some people have never grown a plant before a lot of our customers are very young and they do need to be inspired they do need to to be given a good bit of knowledge as well about how to look after their first plant and soon you know they're, they're back for more so it's it's down to us to sort of get that out there this is this is what you can do with your plants and, and inspire them to do do interesting things with them rather than just plonking them on the shelf and letting them get on with it. Exactly. And uh, what about when it comes to looking and assessing the health of a houseplant that you want to buy? What are your tips of in terms of checking that your houseplant is going to be coming home with you in a good state? So when you um, look at the plants, I mean, I think the first thing 
that I would look at is um, just the overall health of the plant. So if you look at the leaves, are they shiny? Are they covered in dust? Are some of the leaves yellow or brown? Is the compost dry? Is the plant wilting? Um, all of these things will give you an indication on whether the plant is healthy and whether they're actually being cared for and nurtured by the staff that um, work there. For instance, if you see plants and there's a whole load of uh, leaves in the pot and around the base of the plants, you know to steer clear from that. Um, if the displays are untidy, they're not topped up and there's plants that are fallen over, then again, it's a sign that maybe the plants aren't really getting the care that they should. Plants left in the plastic sleeves and packaging that they come, come in is also another sign that maybe that plant isn't getting the light that it needs while it's stuffed inside a, a plastic sleeve and is it being watered? Um, all of those things. Uh, staff, are there staff around to um, give you advice and to, to give you just some care instructions for the plant that you're you're looking at? This is really the difference between going to somewhere like a big box DIY store or a supermarket and going to a garden centre with a really good house plant display isn't it because when you go into uh, the former and you're sitting you know with your, your your Saturday shopping and you think oh I'll just go and pick up a, an orchid or a, a fern and those plants will not have received any care from the moment they get into the store lots of people complain to me about this and say well you know it's terrible all those plants are dying but I have heard from people in the industry that basically for those kinds of sellers it's actually more economic for them to, to not do anything to those plants because if they had to pay somebody and train somebody up to look after them it would be more expensive than the wastage of those the plants that don't make that aren't sold which is really tragic for those of us who love house plants but i guess it's that's economics for you it's tragic but it's true there's one particular box supermarket so to speak that i i go into occasionally and i'm always horrified because actually the plant instead of watering those plants those plants go into a shopping trolley to go into the bin um, I see it regularly. Um, and as you say, um, it's cheaper for them to chuck away the plants to have somebody there caring for them. And if you're a houseplant enthusiast, that's the last thing that you want to see. And it's the last thing that's going to inspire you to buy those products. So I think if you're shopping around for plants, then, then go for the places that you know, take care and pride in what they do. And the staff will have an enthusiasm if you've got enthusiastic staff, then they're going to pass that on to you and you're going to get so much more enjoyment out of that plant. I completely agree. And you really find that that expertise is something that you can draw on. Uh, and it's I find it really sad when I'm in the supermarket or you see somebody sort of looking at a plant and they're not sure. And I just want to go over there and start talking to them about the plant. But I'm like, I can't really do that because I'm just another customer. But, you know, you, you kind of if you're enthusiastic about houseplants, you don't want somebody to make a mistake and buy the wrong one. Uh, but obviously in a supermarket, there's just nobody there to help you. So that plant's going to go home and be uh, slowly allowed to. <laughs> pass away uh, it's a bit tragic isn't it but I, I mean I have to say I have been lured occasionally by the the lure of a cheap supermarket house plant but I also hear from listeners that sometimes this leads them into trouble I had a listener recently who bought a calathea that was planted directly into a china pot with no uh, drainage 
And so they were wondering whether to repot this plant immediately or whether to, to leave it. And it, you kind of think, gosh, how many of those plants are going out and, and just going into people's homes and they're not going to know any better than to just keep watering this plant until it drowns? Um, <laughs> so I, that that is the struggle that we face, trying to educate people um, about this stuff. It is. And you you wouldn't believe how often I see that when I'm over in Holland I often see succulents that are popped into a ceramic pot because it makes them look pretty, but actually there's no drainage um, whatsoever. And for the for the average person who's never grown a succulent before, would soon quickly head into trouble by pro- probably flooding that poor poor little succulent, and its lifespan would be only a couple of weeks. But it, it's something that you see a lot. It's it's called added added value in the supermarket, and it means they get a bit more money for that product but actually for for us it's it's really doom and gloom <laughs> it certainly is and i but i guess you know hopefully maybe one one in a hundred people will get that succulent and will actually do some reading and, and then end up learning what they're doing wrong and will actually uh become educated and realize they need to put some drainage in it's just it's not enough there's too many plants that aren't going to go that route, which is the depressing thing. But um, that that's top advice. Is there anything else you can offer in terms of advice for, for house plant shopping? What about when you get the plant, um, when you're taking the plant home? How do you recommend that customers uh, transport their plants? Do you wrap them religiously when they leave the store? A lot of our customers are local and they don't like to take bags. So fortunately, if they only live 10 or 15 minutes away, they can just about nip home without um, any damage occurring to their plant. If it's the mist of winter, like we've just seen with snowfalls and and goodness knows um, hurricane gales, then it's not a great idea to be carrying your your Kentia palm home with any protection around it. (laughs) Even the slightest chill can sometimes do damage to a plant that's never experienced such low temperatures in its life. So we do like to, even if you don't want to take a bag, we do like to put some sort of wrapping, even if it's just tissue to keep out the the wind and the draft will make all the difference. Because these plants that come from Dutch nurseries where they have literally had optimal conditions from the moment they've started to the moment they, they reach your home, they, they, you know, those nurseries, they get the, the, it's all digitally controlled and they know exactly what those plants need. And so they go from kind of nirvana of perfect conditions to our houses. That is a bit of a shock for them, isn't it? It is a bit of a shock for them. And then I guess that's some of the challenge for us as a consumer to make that plant continue to be as beautiful it was as as the day that you purchased it. Um, In order for these nurseries to make money out of houseplants, they have to have the optimum conditions to grow them in, rather like tomatoes and cucumbers. But equally, there are nurseries over there that are a bit more ad hoc, and they don't necessarily have um, all the special lights and all the special gear, potting machines, etc., that do the work for them to their optimum conditions. And those can be some of the more interesting nurseries that I visit when I'm over in Holland, because you see the experiments going on. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's 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 quite interesting to see how the the different nurseries operate depending on the on the different types of crops that they're growing. For instance, a phalaenopsis orchid, you might see a nursery that's sending out two hundred thousand a week 
of a nine centimetre phalaenopsis, which is completely different to somebody who's growing um, maybe just a few hundred um, philodendron specimens, for example. So it's, it's, they're grown in quite different ways. episode has left you both inspired and informed as you increase your houseplant collection yet further. I know, I know already what you're going to say. Yes, it's all my fault that you're buying more plants and you can address your complaints to the manager on the Ledge podcast, the trash can, the corner of your room. Because quite frankly, you know that I'm doing you a favour. Because let's face it, houseplants are pretty cheap and they're pretty gorgeous too. And they make you happier and who knows, even a bit healthier. So hey, what's not to like? to my guest this week paul holt you'll find paul on instagram as green wizard with two z's i'll be back next friday for more leafy fun and games and if you'd like some extra on the ledge then why not sign up as a supporter on patreon visit patreon.com forward slash on the ledge for details and if you'd like to give a one-off donation try co-fi.com all the links from this week's show you'll find in my show notes at janeperone.com. Bye! This week's show was Roll Jordan Roll by the Joy Drops, an instrument the boy called Happy Degakana by Samuel Corwin, and Overthrown by Josh Woodward. All licensed under Creative Commons. See my website for details.